Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. I told Jesse, I think I'm just going to call this notes from the battlefield um, because I do want to share about um, the assignment that the Lord has had me on and many in this room that are, are part of my life and part of that assignment, not to talk about me, but so that you can see a picture of something um, that the Lord wants to do in your life, and that is to display faithfulness. And so this picture up here, I, I love it. By show of hands, how many of you know what that is a picture of? Okay, so last year I sort of had an obsession with, for, for a moment in time, um, in 2021, with this photo and with this concept. These are the Hello Girls, and um, they were the first special ops that were part of the United States military back in World War I, and they were switchboard operators, essentially. They would connect um, war room with battlefield. And the reason they got called into that job was because at that time they found that that the women um, could move their hands more quickly to transmit messages, and um, and that matters, right? When you're on when you're on the front lines and you're in the war room and you need to communicate things quickly. So that is how women ended up in that role in that time in in World War One um, as these intelligence and special special operators, and so. Last year, the Lord had put this picture on my heart and with many thoughts about it concerning entourage and to be determined on some of those things. But what I feel like today, if I could could tell you on the front end what my heart is or what I feel like God's heart is in sharing with you this evening is that this is one of those messages that I feel like is a message from um, war room to battlefield that needs to be transmitted. Because no matter where you come in from today, if you are alive this day on planet earth, you are in a battle. Can I get an amen? Is anyone in here in a battle. And if you are not in a battle, then I just want to biblically tell you, you are in a battle. Um, you are. That is the truth. And um, Ephesians 6, uh, 12 through 13, you'll know this verse, many of you. But if not, may you find freedom in knowing that if it's felt like you've been in a battle your entire life, you're not alone. You've been in a battle your entire life. So may the truth set you free right on the front end of this. Uh, so Ephesians 6, 12, and 13 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there is a constant wrestle that we are in, and we, we, became, we became part of a battle in Genesis 3 before we were ever born when, when Satan began to prey on the children of God, those made in his image, that ignited a battle. And so when you were born, you were born into this war zone, so to speak. And I say that with extreme sincerity for any of you who may have served in the natural military or had loved ones that, that do. Uh, we're just going to parallel some things with that. So um, I, I, am, I, I kind of share some of these things with, with fear and trembling 
in humility, knowing that I am not off of this particular assignment yet. I'm not finished on this particular battlefield that these notes are specific to. Um, So hear me say that. I have not got to the end of the process, and I'm looking back. I feel like, and and I may have told this to Jesse or someone, that that I've been able to crawl up for a minute from the trenches and that we're going to enjoy an MRE together quickly and uh, for sustenance, and then we're going to keep moving in battle. And that, quite honestly, is how this feels. But with that, all of those introductory remarks, I just want you to know it it is truly, there's nothing in the world I would rather do than sit here sit here with you. Um, I got to go to to LA last week um, for an event with women that are in ministry from all over the country. And um, I I told my team here that serves with me, my takeaway was how blessed we are to steward this because I could tell that was not their norm to be in community with women that are cheering each healthy women that are cheering each other on in their walk with the Lord. And um, and so it is a blessing and it is a privilege to be here. So notes from the, the battlefield. To give just a little bit of context, um, 12 years ago, yeah, 12 years ago, I was newly married and I had just graduated college and had taken my first real job. And I was about a month into this process and I felt convicted from the Lord that that was actually not the job for for me. Um, and so I'm like, okay, Lord. So I told my husband on a Sunday afternoon, no one knew about this. I, I said, Justin, and my husband also had just, he'd sold a little business. He was going back to school. So there was no, like, you know, income stream coming from anywhere. We were young. We didn't have a lot of money, but God has always taken care of us. But I'm like, Justin, I don't think that this is the job for me. So is it okay with you if I just resign from my work tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, sure. So um, so Sunday, so no one knows that but me and Justin and the Lord. And Sunday afternoon, I get a call from uh, an acquaintance, I would say a a distant friend that shares a similar life network with me. And he said, hey, are you looking for a job? And I just started to cry because I knew that really God was on the other side of the line. I was listening to my brother in Christ, but he's like, I was sitting in church today and I'm thinking this would be the same time that I'm telling my husband, hey, we we need to move on and release this in faith. So my brother is in, my brother in Christ is in church somewhere else, and the Lord puts me on his heart and says, um, you need to call her because she's supposed to take your job for this United States senator doing this specific thing. It sounded really wild to me as well. I had no experience or background. I told you I just finished college a month before. But I knew, I knew that no one could have been in the handiwork like that except God. So I just said, okay, let's do it. So, so fast forward, I... The Lord brought all of that to fruition, and I worked for this U.S. senator for a number of years. That was a very godly man, ended up passing away from cancer. And um, and then I got to start my family, and then we got to do entourage, and life continued over those next 12 years. Well, the man in that story, uh, the story is a friend and a brother in Christ, and I've, I've continued to stay in contact with him, obviously, over the, over the years. And, um, and so Easter Sunday, I um, got a message from someone that sent me a screenshot that this, this gentleman that's a brother in Christ had filed to run for Congress. 
because we have an open seat in Oklahoma, just poof, it just came open unexpectedly about February. And so all these people had hopped into this um, race, and um, my brother in Christ had not until about three hours before the filing deadline. And so the whole world found out, the whole world meaning this part of Oklahoma and whoever was following it, found out basically on Easter Sunday. And I, I saw the text message come through, and I thought, Oh no, <laughs> because because I under I understood I understood that the Lord had put a deposit in me a long time ago to be able to help my brother in Christ in this season, but I also definitely understood what that would look like. And there's a reason that I choose not to be involved with things like uh, of that nature, like campaigns and, and you should be involved. You should you should be an informed voter. But there, there's a really ugly side to those things. And so I read that right before Easter service, and I knew that I was about to get called out of the bullpen, so to speak. I felt the grace for it. I felt the peace for it, but I had zero answers outside of that. And so um, the next 24 hours would play out, and uh, I'd, I'd text Annette immediately. She's a, she's a friend of this gentleman as well, and, uh, and my mom, and, and we all just kind of scratched our head and thought, ah. But the next day, I got the call. Because so many people were running for this seat, everyone that knew what they were doing was already taken. So it just left nobodies <laughs> to choose from. And um, that's where I come into the scene. Who does not know what they're doing? But and has, and has not been chosen to do this because they don't know what they're doing. That would be me. And so, um, so I got asked to to run this congressional campaign. And um, this was God's timing. There's a reason I'm telling you all this. This is not about me. I want you to see the faithfulness and the handiwork of God as I tell my story so that you can see it in your own. I, got, I get the call one hour before our quarterly board meeting with Entourage. We meet once a quarter together. And you know what? For that to happen, the board would have to release me from my duties and my responsibilities. And guess what? God took care of it. He lined it up. And so we get to the end of the meeting that day. And I'm like, okay, here's this. And these ladies, you know who, who some of these ladies are? They're, they're in this room. Katie, Annette, Sarah, um, Janelle. Ashley's not, not in here. My mom, uh, that govern on this board. They're like, do it. You need, you need to do this. You need to, to do it. And so I'm like, I don't know what we're getting released to, but... But what they didn't know is that some of them were going to get released on assignment with me. And this is part of my notes from the battlefield. I'm just trying to set up this picture for you. So I want you to understand that the day after Easter Sunday, I got called to this assignment by the Lord. Hear me say loud and clear, I would not have chosen to do this. Now, I'm working on being in a place with the Lord where I say, thank you, Lord, for inviting me into this. But it's not what I would have chosen. But the Lord, the Lord in the body of Christ has different assignments for us. And some of them make sense, some of them don't. But, but what I am, am seeing here is that I had a choice to make, and it was about serving a brother in Christ to fulfill the calling on his life. And the Lord was saying, all right, I need you to, to be part of this. So, so whenever that moved forward, I would just like to say that that ignited a firestorm unlike one that I have ever been a part of. Um, it is, yeah, it's hard to explain. Um, the, the best way that, that I could explain it 
<laughs> that all sounds really dramatic, Annette, if you have a good example. Let me, let me continue also with this before I get into these bullet points. So, they, so we get a few days into planning with these. There are two men who are godly men that actually do know what they're doing that are out of state. And then there's me who doesn't know what I'm doing. And then there's my brother in Christ that is being obedient to the Lord and, and running this race. And they're like, you need a team. And I'm like, I have a team. I'm <laughs> like, well, I have a team, and they're like, well, you, you need a team, and you need to, to multiply yourself two times. And so I picked up the phone, and I called Annette Rustin, and I called Katie Garrett, and I'm like, how do you guys feel about just, like, shifting assignments for a minute and coming and doing this with me? And so they prayed about it, and as a, as a board of this ministry, they were released too. Now, and, and I just want to say, think, every, so many people have risen up during this time to do things um, again, that's God's provision, and we're going to talk about that note from the battlefield. But the moral of all of this story is that this has been an absolutely horrific battle, unlike anything that I've been part of. And um, we all go through battles, and all of us are in battles. And so as I'm thinking about the, the war room picture of the, of the woman that's trying to connect from the war room to the battlefield, and we eat this MRE together, these are the things that I want you to hear that I've observed in the past four months. But As I give you a list, I want to caution you about something. This is not a list of things to achieve. This is a list of things to receive. And I think it is very important that you hear me say that so that you don't receive, you don't hear condemnation when I say, this is what battle looks like, or this is what battle should look like. As I reflect on all of these things, I actually recognize them as gifts and graces from God that are available within the body of Christ in this hour, available to each of you. And as you hear them, if you're thinking, man, that's, that's not in my life, that doesn't exist. Well, at the end, let's deal with that. We'll activate that. We'll pray over that. We'll rally as a community. But as I read these things, do not partner with condemnation. These are a list of things to receive, not to achieve. Everyone say receive, receive. Not, achieve. not achieve, receive. Okay, notes from the battlefield. So, yeah, note number one, you need the fullness of the body of Christ around you. When you're stepping, it should sound like a waterfall and not a raindrop because you're so much in community with those raised up by God to step with you. And this could mean when God is calling you into something new, or it could just mean in the battle that you are fighting right now. When we are in community, the way that God has designed us to be in community, when one person steps, there should be more than one person stepping. There should be all of these subsequent steps that happen together. So just like Deborah under the palm that Jesse talked about a while ago, when Deborah stood up and told Barack, yeah, I'm going to go, that signaled an entire army to follow. But her step activated it. And so I just, I want to speak that as encouragement over you because you may be looking at a situation and and battle is defensive and offensive, right? My sister-in-law, Olivia, asked the question one time, she probably doesn't remember this, or we we had the conversation, is the, is the armor of God offensive or defensive? And it, anyway, ponder that. That's a whole thing to, to ponder and meditate on. But battle is both ways. And so if you're thinking, gosh, my obedience, my call feels so small because it just feels like a raindrop on the ground. No. When the body of Christ is moving together, it feels like a, it sounds like a waterfall hitting the pavement. One step is not a drop of rain. It ignites a waterfall. And I've experienced that. I've experienced that as, 
as I've had to say yes in, in these things, each time I say yes, it's like looking to the right and to the left, and there are people that are, are stepping, that God has done that work and prepared that in their hearts and their families' hearts. Um, so, again, the Lord wants you to receive those relationships around you. Don't hear me say this in strife. You should you should have community. You could have community. It is right here. It does take a level of vulnerability to be in community with people. And, and even though I was caught off guard by the Lord's very quick invitation of less than 24 hours to shift my entire life and my husband to shift our entire life to go on this assignment, the Lord had been speaking into this for over a year and a half. And I will come back to that in, in just, just a minute in another point. But when, that's why I had grace and peace when the opportunity came before me because the Lord had prepared my heart and my spirit way before my mind could comprehend it. And he had done it through members that, of the body of Christ that I'm in a relationship with in times of just normal relationship with, like conversation, and in times and moments that were like sacred nights of prayer where we're just praying and seeking the Lord together for over 18 months, the Lord had prepared me. I just thought it was going to be about something in women's ministry and nothing, nothing like this. So that is available to you. And there's scriptural references at the bottom of each of these. I'm going to get faster as we go um, because I want you to see that these things are biblical, right? If, if it's biblical truth, it needs to be true, not just for me. It needs to be true for you. And that is how we war. That is how we advance in this battle that we're all in. So um, the second, and it's kind of the same thing, your yes to him unlocks resource around you, and the greatest resource is people. And I would say that's true about natural resource as well. If the Lord's calling you to do something and you say yes to him and you need financial provision for that, I actually, I absolutely believe that that, that will come, operating in faith. But um, I think sometimes the Lord calls us into things, and the number one thing that keeps us away from doing it, it's not so much fear as much as it is trying to plan it out for him. And, um, and it's like the Lord says, hey, go play basketball. And you're like, okay, Lord, I'd love to play basketball. But where are the other four players for my team? Where are the other five players for the other team? And when the Lord invites us into obedience, we just say yes and we go. So I, I would just encourage you with that, that when you say yes, he unlocks the resources. Elijah, the widow of Zarephath, the boy with the loaves and the fish, you see, with Peter casting his nets. You see it over and over again in the scripture. When the Lord says something, just say yes, and then that unlocks the resources. And the greatest resource is people, the body of Christ. The body of Christ in unity is the greatest weapon. It's the greatest weapon. That is why... That is why there is so much assault against the body of Christ. Because when we start to operate in unity, that's when we start hearing the waterfall instead of the raindrop, right? So I hope you can just hear that waterfall sound when I'm saying it. it or if you need this visual, uh, Madison and I have talked about this before from Lion King. There's a scene in Lion King where Simba, the, the little boy cub, he's like with his naughty Uncle Scar and, or someone. I think that's who it is. And he's roaring, and it's like his little roar. But then all of a sudden he opens his mouth and this huge roar comes out and he's like, whoa. But it's because his dad was behind him and they were, they were in unison. He opened his mouth and his dad's roar came out. And that's what it's like to be in unison in the body of Christ and saying yes to these assignments to either defend or be on offense in whatever your um, circumstances of battle look like that you're in. Um, I think this one is really interesting. There, <laughs> I, I think you'll relate. Oh. There can be 
discomfort in the moment when God is exposing the enemy around you. Really, really important. There can be discomfort in the moment when God is exposing the enemy at work around you. Um, I heard a woman named Jennifer LeClaire. I do not listen to her on a regular basis, so I can't speak into who she is or isn't. But what she said that hit me was that an, an exposed enemy is a defeated enemy. And that's true, right? Like light dismisses darkness. Um, but if you think about the Egyptians um, chasing the Israelites, who had, the Hebrews, who had left bondage and slavery and were going toward promise, and, and we love, you guys are all going to know, Exodus 14, 14. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That is so beautiful, right? But <laughs> what's a couple verses before that is the entire Egyptian army armed with chariots and weapons chasing God's people into the sea. So you only get these, these beautiful revelations when you're in a city of like that. Let's we need to, the Lord will fight this battle for us. We need only to, to be still. I feel like often we only come to these life-changing declarations that we all know and love when literally we're in a situation that the Egyptian army is behind us and the sea is in front of us and the Lord has got to come through. But the Lord had to expose the enemy so that they could be dealt with, not just for his glory, but so that his people could continue to advance in, in the promise. So I would just encourage you, wherever you are, you may be in a situation that the Lord is trying to expose an enemy around you, and the enemy, at the enemy, there is one There is one enemy. There's a prince of the air, and he moves through principalities and the list of things that I read earlier. But that exposure can be, can be hurtful. It can be surprising. It can cause um, much discomfort. But... If the Lord is showing you and exposing the enemy to you, it is because an exposed enemy can be a defeated enemy. And so I, that's something just that I've um, really noticed as we've been in this, in this journey. Um, the power nap and Sabbath made for you. So again, as I'm, th- as I'm sharing the, these things about the fullness of the body of Christ, being around people, and when I say the fullness of the body of Christ, I'm talking about people that operate in all the gifts all the gifts that are listed that we know are gifts. You need to be around people that operate in all the gifts because that's really important. And I'm going to come back to that in just, in just a minute. But these are things that the Lord, their graces that the Lord has given us for battle. So operating um, with the fullness of the body of Christ, having a measure of faith to say yes to him, um, having eyes to see when he is exposing the enemy. These are things we want to receive from the Lord. The power nap in Sabbath. The, the Lord gets into a disagreement, uh, well, the Pharisees get into a disagreement with the Lord, with Jesus, about the Sabbath because someone ate a grain of head on the Sabbath or he healed someone on the Sabbath. And he says, um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And there were at least three times that I can think of in this experience where I was so exhausted but had so much to be that had to be done that I like could either like run myself into the ground or I could, I could be like, all right, Lord, let's take a power nap. <laughs> this sounds really silly, but it was just a way for me to shut down for a second and put it in God's hands. And I'm not, every time I would turn, turn off, check out, I'm not talking about like for a long time, I'm talking about for a minute. There are multiple testimonies I could give you that I woke up and the Lord took care of 10 times of what I could take care of phone calls and text messages waiting of things that I was just pushing and pushing and pushing on. And then when I would just rest for a minute and 
quit, not quit from the assignment, but quit from my striving, from my ceasing, and come back to a rhythm of rest and grace, the Lord would not just take care of it, but would take care of it all the more. And um, one story that's really neat about the body of Christ and about Janelle, there was a particular day that was going to be a big week, and it was just like Monday. And I'm like, oh, we've got to go till Friday, and that's going to be, this is a hard week. And I'm... I, my kids must have been at my mom's, who she helped because it, it's taken a whole team to accomplish doing this thing. Um, and someone must have been at my house, and I'm like, I really could just use a nap. And I'm like, I'm going to take a nap at Janelle Martin's house. So I called Janelle. I said, Janelle, could I come take a quick nap at your house real quick? And she said, wow. She said, we just minutes ago came came downstairs from assembling a brand new bed and mattress upstairs that was just delivered into our home. So you can take the first nap of any nap in this bed and mattress in our home. And it sounds so silly, but it was, it was, it was like God's faithfulness in that moment. And, and it came through a brother and sister in Christ who were willing to open their door for a very weird adult nap time, daytime request. And, um, and so, but that ministered to me. And the same for Sabbath. We, on our team, we set um, to the best, we're not perfect at this, but tried to be good about honoring Sabbath, not working, not producing, not striving on Sabbath. And I can tell you that by the time I got to Sabbath, I was nearly collapsed to the ground every, every week. And it took to the, the end of Sabbath for me to have breath in, in my lungs again a bit to go again. And I saw how the Lord created that within us more than I had before in our normal first world habits and patterns. So no matter what war or battle you are in right now, the Lord has given you Sabbath as a gift. Like, yes, he is our Sabbath rest, right? Like we rest in, in the completed work of what Christ did on the cross. But Sabbath is an actual literal gift to begin and end your week with each time, um, and the, the power nap. And there are biblical stories that go, everyone knows the story of Elijah. Elijah gets a little sassy with the Lord, and the Lord's like, eat a cake, take a nap, and, and you know what he does? And then after that, he goes and he experiences the Lord at Mount Horeb, the same mountain that Moses experienced the Lord um, for 40 days, same mountain. Um, and that's when he has the encounter of the Lord and the, with a still small voice. And so, Power naps, I think, are really important in the throes of battle. Um, don't call me out on it if you think I'm wrong. I'm totally right. The Lord showed me. Um, but, yeah, rest is a gift from him. That's scriptural. You'll find it throughout the word. Um, obedience over outcome. Don't fear losing something that you've been called into. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Right, so we see that, uh, and I think it's important to say that your identity is not tied to your assignment. So, if your identity is not tied to your assignment, right? So the second we start identifying with our assignment, that's not good, because then you've put the outcome in your hands and on your shoulders, and it will crush you. And the enemy will absolutely partner with that pressure, and he will crush you if you are operating in an assignment, an identity, assignment-driven identity instead of an identity that is a child of God, a beloved of God. And so the Lord invites us into things, and he uses those for our good and for his glory and to advance the kingdom of light. But um, 
this comes back to just having the mentality that we, we operate from a place of victory, or as Annette has said before, from him, not for him. Um, just simple, simple mindset shifts really bring a lot of freedom. And I think the perfect biblical example of this is to use, again, the Hebrews who came out of Egypt and went toward the promised land in Numbers 13. God tells them, go spy out the land that I'm going to give you, okay? And then in the planning that I talked about a few minutes ago, they go, they're like, oh, we're in here and this is not going to work out because we don't have a team that's as big as their team and we don't blah, 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 blah. So they started to fear losing a, a battle before they were even in it. That, you know, and, and we can all be guilty of that. That's pretty basic. But I just, I found that through this experience, all of us were doing this. We used, we used to joke around the table, does anyone actually want to be here? If you want to be here, you cannot, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about on this assignment that I'm in right now, this campaign assignment. I would kind of joke, if you want to be here, then you probably can't be part of the team. Like, because we're, like, we're here because we're walking in obedience because the Lord has asked us to do that. So we had a much greater fear of the Lord and not being obedient to him than a fear of losing. That was in the Lord's hands. Now we needed to steward and walk things out faithfully. And again, this isn't over. This is an ongoing Thing that we're in. I'm just telling you, there is freedom when your identity is not tied to the assignment. There's freedom when your identity is not tied to the outcome. Let your identity be tied to Christ and know that to live is Christ, to die is gain, which means no matter what you do, you're going to win. You can't go wrong, right? Yes. So um, number six, climb higher for a better perspective. His seat, his horse, his vision. I had a dream in this process where I was on these huge horses and my girls were with me and we were like holding on for dear life. And I'm like, how? I'm like, where are these horses come from? How did we get these horses? Whose horses? Like we're going to get in so much trouble when people know that we're on these horses that we don't even know how to operate. And, um, and so, but the Lord used that and something else to minister to me just to remind me that you have to, you have to go higher for, for a better perspective. If you're battling at ground level with your senses and, and, and with ice, your, the optics around you, it's probably not the best strategy. And so I was reminded that I'm seated in Christ from Ephesians. And I was reminded of the scene of Jesus on his, on his horse, you know, horse, faithful and true in Revelation. And, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm seated in Christ and he's on his war horse, then I'm just going to remember that. And I'm going to sit with him. So even though, you know, like we tea, don't get on your high horse. So I'm saying like, do get on your high horse. It's his high horse. And if you want a vision that matches his, then you need to be seated where he is. And if you're in Christ, if you are saved, you've accepted Jesus, then you are seated with he, where he is. You just need to live with the revelation knowledge that you're seated where he is. So, so just constantly um, seeking his vision over what we see. I think, you know, part of the battle, the, the battle that we face day in and day out is the battle of our, our senses, right? Our senses tend to uh, make a decision for us about how we think, but mind, our, I'm sorry, this means our five senses. I'm talking to you guys, this means our five senses when I'm like doing this weird thing with my hand. And our senses govern how we think unless we are having a renewed mind that is being transformed by Christ. And then that is when we are able to think 
in line with truth, even when truth does not line up with our senses. And so unless you get on his high horse and live with the revelation that you're seated in Christ, you're going to be battling only from your, your senses. But I would just propose, if all these things are a gift from him, including our senses, that our five senses are actually to be used to point us to Christ and to, to remind us of truth and, and renewing renewing our minds. So they work in relationship to that, but they don't work in uh, without a renewed mind, at least not for our, for our good in battle. Um, number seven, the Lord wants to speak into the details of battle, and he speaks outside of time. Look backwards and forwards. The Lord's word prepares you. He is your front guard. He is your rear guard, and his word is your refuge. So no matter where, no matter where you are, he's already been there. And he's left what you need for that moment in time. So before you said yes to going into a battle or before you got drugged into a battle, that it wasn't a yes situation. It was, it was a, a death or a loss or a life change, and it, and it brought you into it. He went out ahead in the front, and he's following behind. And then in the middle is that cloud and that refuge and that, that shade. And, and I'd made the reference that the Lord had been preparing me for 18 months. I just didn't, I just didn't know that what it was for until the moment that I was presented with it and the grace and the peace just married together for forward motion. But in February of 2021, my sister-in-law, Olivia, said, hey, I had a dream about you. And um, she said, yeah, I saw you. And you were standing um, next to a man on a stage that you had helped and he was a leader, a government leader. And I said, oh, that sounds awful. And, um, and I dismissed it because... Because I'm like, that's, she's just thinking in her carnal, knowing like I used to do this or whatever. Well, in January, we were in a, a prayer time with some, a different setting, some other ladies. And Serena Backus said, hey, I feel like the Lord is saying, you need to clear your schedule for the month of May. Clear your schedule. Pray it up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I definitely had some thoughts about what was going to happen in May. But when I found out in, in April, um, in Easter, that this was going to happen, I thought, man, this is such a, the election was in June, I thought, there's only the full month of May for this to be ran, how awful, <laughs> and, and then I remembered that the Lord's like, but your schedule's ready, like you've not planned anything for the month of, of May, and, and God had just been faithful to put on mine and my husband's heart to homeschool this year too, and um, which is a, it's a whole thing, but he put on my heart that I needed to have my stuff together by March, because I wouldn't have time once May came in, in April. And so, so there was a grace for all of, these, all of these things to come into place that, that maybe couldn't have just been decided at the last moment. But the Lord is, is my front guard, knowing what I was going to go through, had been positioning people and places and things, not for months, but for years. And at the end of the day, this has nothing to do with me. This has to do with the body of Christ. He's doing the same thing in all of your lives right now, all the time. So I would just encourage you, looking backward and looking forward, there may be things that the Lord has spoken to you that you thought you would, or through someone, maybe that operated in the prophetic, or through your word, um, through a sermon, whatever, and you thought they were for one thing, but actually, he may have spoke five years ago about the very situation that you're in right now, right? Time, time and space is a servant of the Lord. It doesn't 
operate for him the way that it operates for us. It is, it is his servant, and in that it serves us as well. Um, <clears throat> stretch out your javelin. Sounds a little weird. Stretch out your javelin. Joshua, when he was in conquering mode, um, the Lord told him, I want you to take your javelin, your war weapon, and I want you to point it in all these directions of all this land that you're going to conquer. And, and Joshua did. He was obedient, even though it sounds kind of like a weird instruction. And when you read this narrative in Joshua, I think it's Joshua 8. Yeah, anyway, it says at the end, Joshua does all these things. And um, he goes and he conquers in all these places and the places that he had continued to keep his javelin stretched out toward. And even though that sounds silly, I, there were many times in this process that I would just, be, I, I would tell the Lord, okay, like for this situation and in, in this battle, this is the territory that we're talking about. So Lord, I just stretch out my javelin and I pray in, in faith, like for your will to be done here, here, here. Random places, random times, maps, those sorts of things, um, sometimes with the net, sometimes in a car with Katie. Um, but whatever that territory is in your battle in your life, it could, be a, it could be a family member. It could be your home, your neighborhood. But I just encur- encourage you to stretch out your javelin toward, stretch out your javelin, stretch out your weapon. Your, your weapon is his word, and it's his word on your tongue. And prophesy over those areas, and don't withdraw. Don't withdraw until you see that that's been conquered, right, and that light has been brought into the darkness. Um, <clears throat> going from, Number nine, going from strength to strength is a series of endings and beginnings. Humility and weakness activate grace and strength. When you hit the sweet spot of what you cannot do, you find favor in the supernatural flow of grace. That sounds lovely but that is not lovely to experience. Have any of you hit the spot of not being able to do something? It does not feel good, but it also is a place of surrender so that God can finally come in and do the heavy lifting. It's so much like toddlerhood sometimes where your toddler wants to do something and you're like, oh my gosh, and then finally you just get to to do whatever it is and it goes so much more quickly. That's sort of how this this is. Strength to strength. Um, when we think carnally, when we think the way the world thinks, we tend to think, um, think of things from a beginning to an end. Like the end is the outcome, the beginning to an end. But often in kingdom thinking, it's actually an end to a beginning. It's, it's kind of opposite. That's why we're so fascinated with seeds. That's why we're so fascinated with butterflies. There's something about these little testimonies of creation that remind us that in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of life and light, that we actually don't just go from from a beginning to an end. We go from an end to a beginning. And it's the same for our strength. It's the same for we are transformed from grace to grace, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. The word says that. But that implies there has to be an end, then a beginning, an end, then a beginning, an end, then a beginning. So if you're up against something and you're really... um, (laughs) you're really hitting the spot of what you cannot do, then great. The Lord is about to pour uh, strength and glory and grace upon you. An end is a beginning. Um, Stay awake in this hour. Partner with prayer warriors from the inside and outside who are covering you from all angles. Um, It's been a privilege, like I said, to have worked alongside Katie and Annette. 
in this process, but every member of our team has been engaged in prayer and in praise, <laughs> in, uh, in walking it out, and not only them, but people that I didn't know I didn't know five months ago, but literally before this service, um, a man from another town that is a, he's a intercessor, lives four hours from here, and God just, he's one of those people that God just raised up and said, you're going to pray for, the, you're going to pray for these people on this assignment. Don't know him from Adam, except the Lord raised him up. I bore witness with him, and I'm like, yes, he's called. I can tell. He's part of this. He texted me a while ago and said, I was praying for your team. Who's got a hearing issue? who is facing ear pain and hearing loss, the Lord has asked me to reach out and pray. And so I text that out to our team, and, and some of our guys said, this is crazy. This is, a, this is a campaign text, and there are words of knowledge on here because it's kingdom life. It's body of Christ's life, right? And we're, we're in a battle, and, um, and God is good, and he is faithful. Um, remember the, so all of that to say, stay awake in this hour. He raises up people from the outside and the inside to pray. That was the point of that. If you're taking on a kingdom assignment, I've hair in my mouth. Horrible feeling. Mm. If you're taking on an assignment, you need people covering you in prayer. In general, ask yourself right now. So sorry, this is the worst. Give me just one second. Like, while well, I sat right in front of you. Ah, there it is. All right. <laughs> ask yourself right now. Unrelated to any assignment, to any warfare, who are three people in my life that I could ask to pray for me, and I know they will really pray for me? I want you to think about that. If you don't have anyone that comes to your mind, then when we are done here, you need to come. We'll have people in the front, and I need you to be honest about it and tell them, I don't have any relationship like that where I know someone is they're going to do battle with me. We cannot do battle in this hour without people praying inside the camp and outside the camp. People that are on the front lines praying, just like Nehemiah and his folks building the wall, and people that are far removed from it but still on the outside sharing the heart and the vision. Um, <clears throat> you're equipped for battle with what you've worn in one season and often hold, and what you've worn in one season will often hold your weapons for the next. Weapons will meet you along the way. Um, David is a great example of that in 1 Samuel 17. If you'll remember, Saul's armor didn't work out for him, but he had a shepherd bag, right? He had a shepherd bag that he wore. And as he went, as he said yes to go into battle, after he said yes, then he had what he needed on him to be able to collect the stones that were near him. And if you continue to read David's story, you know, we know that he cuts off Goliath's head with a sword, but later when David is on the run from a crazy king, the one that he just defended in battle against Goliath, he actually doesn't have a weapon at this time while he's on the run, and, and a priest gives him the sword of Goliath. This is later in his life, and so it's just this picture of each time that we're saying, okay, Lord, yes to your word, yes to your will, yes to your way. Even if we can't see the people by us, even if we can't see the weaponry on us, as we continue to step, the Lord is going to show you the weapons and he's going to show you how to carry them and, um, and you're going to be prepared for it. Um, <clears throat> speaking of armor, Ephesians 6, yes, we need to wear the full armor of, of God. At the end of, of that passage in 6, Ephesians 6, it says to pray in the Spirit. And I think that's really important. 
Um, I think it's important, more important that you note the verses of Scripture that I note concerning this. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, Jude 1, verse 20, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. And I, I do mean, when I say pray in, in the Spirit in this context, I do mean when you are on your own praying, if you have a prayer language, if you have a tongue, a prayer tongue, that you're praying that way. I want to be clear, that has nothing to do with your salvation, and that may not be something that some of you have experienced at this, at this point in time. But if that is something that you have received, then I think you are going to do yourself well in battle to edify yourself in your prayer closet because when you are battle-weary, your mind has a hard time, but your spirit is strengthened, and you need to be praying without ceasing. And sometimes that means praying in your spirit because your mind is just tired. And if you have questions about that, happy to talk about it. Again, lean on the word, not on me. Um, Begin and end and middle with praise. It's biblical. There's always an occasion for for praise. We've talked a lot about a lot of different things, but, but kings, when they would go into battle, they would often begin that with a sacrifice. They would often end it with a sacrifice. And yet in the midst of that, the Lord says, obedience is actually better than sacrifice, but I'd like you to bring the sacrifice of praise. So no matter where you are in the battle process, um, Psalms tells us that the Lord uses praise to create a refuge, a stronghold against the enemy. And we see that in, in um, First Chronicles um, about King Jehoshaphat as well. So there's something we don't understand about it. That's okay. We do it we should do it anyway, even if we don't understand. And then finally, this was the whole point of me doing this thing because it is the most, it is the most important wartime message that I can tell you about anything. Are you ready for it? Is, it, is everyone ready? I'm so serious. This is the most important wartime revelation that you could have. And I'm so serious. It's that Jesus loves you. That's it. it is, it's that important. It's that Jesus loves you. And I want to read over you from Romans 8, verse 35 through, through 39. And there's a difference in knowing this and hearing this and in knowing it with your heart, okay? So my goal and my prayer, Lord, open up their hearts so that they can understand this by your spirit. Me too, even to a greater measure. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, when you do life, which is doing battle, with the revelation that Jesus loves you, There's freedom in that, and the enemy cannot touch it. He can try. But if you get it 
by the grace of God, if you get it, it makes a part of you a bit untouchable because it's, it's truth. And truth brings liberty. Truth brings freedom. I've shared a dream before that I had years ago where I had encountered um, something evil. And, and it was sort of a light, like a funny dream. It was, I mean, it's not funny, but it was lighthearted in the sense that there was a, an adversary in the room that meant to cause harm and, and that it was kind of dark. And so I turned the light on so that he could see my face and my mom's face. And I said, hey, do you not know who we are? God loves us, so you are not allowed to be here. And, and I said, he, like, really loves us. And, and the enemy just left, was done, and it was over. And God's used that dream for years to, to minister to me about the, that it comes down to this. But since we started this process, I had another dream where it wasn't such a, as a pleasant encounter, a similar dream, but not pleasant in the same way, where it was real, real aggressive and confrontational. And I just, ho- I just hollered out at the adversary in this dream, with everything in me, because there was nothing else I could do. I just hollered out, Jesus loves me. <laughs> and I woke up in my sleep. So, you know, like, have you ever done that where you're talking in your dream? And I woke up yelling it, yelling it out. And, and so that stirred in me to do this because it, it reminded me that that is our greatest weapon of warfare, that I understand in my heart of hearts that when I can do nothing else, the greatest thing to silence the enemy is to walk in the revelation that I'm loved by God. And as Romans 8 just said, nothing, nothing can separate, nothing can separate me from that. And hasn't that always been what the battle has been over? The goodness of God toward his children. And then did he not go through great lengths, not only to display the goodness of God, but the love of God in Christ on the cross. So we shift, we shift from really from defense to offense, when we start marching to the beat of his heart, which is nothing but love for us. So the greatest wartime revelation that I could give you that makes the kingdom of darkness shiver is that Jesus loves you. And I want you to say it with me on on three. We're going to say it. I want you to say it with me. And I want you to believe it. I want to say it, but I want you to believe it. One, two, three. Jesus loves me. I want you to say it one more time, but I want you to say it like you are squared away. Square, straight on with an enemy who hates you, who does not want good for your life because those are true things. And I want you to tell that enemy the truth. Because the thing about God's word, the truth of God's word is that it pierces. It's like a sword and it separates, right? And so that, that's the line that's drawn in battle when we issue out that word of truth that Jesus loves us. On the count of three, we're going to do it again. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you believe it. One, two, three. Jesus loves me. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 